Good afternoon, everybody. Blake Ruby here, the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to Church of the Soul's Evolution. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a good week. I was on leave, so I was getting up when I wanted to, taking my time, having a good time, relaxing. And that was the main thing for me. Any day off is a good day. I'm watching the sun set over in the distance. I was just telling Don, thank God, thank you, God, for the sun, for the heat and light it provides. But more than that, it's our home. It's our home, the home of the spirit, the spirit world. And I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. No one ever does when I bring it up. But I don't talk about it too often because that's kind of like secret taboo stuff. But part of the soul's evolution is to realize where we came from. Earth, this planet, is not our home. So to have a good idea, a detailed idea of where else in the universe your soul and your spirit came from, tell me. I've got an open mind Anyway, it was a cool day here. Got down to about 39 degrees this morning. It's been cool lately, last couple of weeks. And still pleasant, though. I went out running this morning. I went to the local dirt track on Lackland Air Force Base and ran around for a mile. And then walked a mile afterwards to cool down. Being visited by one of our dogs. Hold on, please. She opened up the door and she's come out into the backyard. Her name is Shakira. She's a female, smooth fox terrier, about maybe 10 years old. She's very fast, sleek. Got six toes on their feet. She was born that way, I guess. And indeed, very fast. I've seen her run. She loves to run. All dogs do. And she's a, a cool dog. She likes to bark a lot, especially early in the morning. I have to come down here and bring her in sometimes. And I also call her, besides Shakira, I call her Barkaton. Um, because she barks so much. I also call her Ninja Dog because I remember when we had our other black lab, Shaka, who passed away in June of 20, and he was kind of old, maybe 11, 12 years old. Yep, seizures. Anyway, when they were, when he was younger, when he first came on board, so to speak, when we first got him back in June of 11, and then we got Shakira, I think it was in sometime during either late 12, maybe September 12. I think that was it, September 12. They're all rescues. All of our dogs are rescues. Anyway, Shaka used to play with Shakira in the living room. And Shakira would run around, jump up and down the couch and around the circle, and they would cast each other, they'd wrestle, you know, and, and bite each other here and there and, and use their legs. And it was incredible watching them. They'd 
thought came to my mind that it's like ninja dog fighting, you know, what, what they're doing. That's how I got the name Kira, a ninja dog. We had a cat also called Ninja Kitty. She was a black cat with a big bushy tail. A kitten, no more than a kitten. And then one day, we don't know what happened to her. We, the, the owl to bite band. She might have got picked up by one of the like my most favorite cat ever, one of my most favorite cats ever. Beautiful companion, he was Simba. He disappeared in June of last year, June of 21. And I think because I did a little research, asked around with the neighbors trying to find him, he was just disappeared one day. And they say that the neighborhood, especially for Acre Park, behind our backyard. I can hear them. They might sound off any second now. I was telling you on my show last, I hear most of the distance. And it's around this time of the day, you know, the sun's starting to go down. Around, unless you're armed, you're able to defend yourself, if you know what I mean. Anyway, I think so. maybe in the early morning, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, a bunch of those coyotes came into the neighborhood, and they do. I know they did, they the small. And one, two coyotes, maybe uh, street savvy cat, like Simba was, very street savvy, knew how to take care of himself. He's very proud of that, too. I, I would come home and I would see him outside, and he'd walk away. He used to roam around the neighborhood. He'd get in fights with local cats. And Anyway, I imagine that maybe one night a group of coyotes came into the neighborhood, and they know how to box things in, you know. That's what they do, especially out in the wild, you know. There used to be jackrabbits on Lackland Air Force Base, and our dogs chased quite a few of them. We used to see them around way back when. I haven't seen too many of them, hardly any in the recent past. You know, we take our dogs a couple of times a week to Lackland to walk them. We let them run off the leash, you know, because that's good for them, good for their hearts, good for the lungs. Keeps them healthy, you know, and so they hunger. And there's hardly anybody walking about. We never see and it's a, a training area, but they usually pack up and go around 5 p.m. during the work week. So we come after that. And lately, there's coyotes around there. And one of our dogs, Shakira, chased one of them yesterday. There's only one. But we've seen two, and we've heard more than that, over in the woods. We walk around. Anyway, so they know how to box in animals. I mean, they're very crafty, you know, wily watch the behavior of a particular prey, you know, whether it's a cat or a small dog, and watch from a distance and see what they do, and then they split up and they they, they box them in. So when the 
the animal makes a dash for it, they catch it, you know, and take it off to feed our puppies, whatever, you know, feed to eat it themselves. So I don't know. I won't know until I get to heaven, you know, and find out then, because I'm sure I'm going to see Paisamba there in heaven, along with Shaka and all the pets I've had before. And you will too, guarantee you. Take it from me. You will see your beloved pet that passed away in heaven, in that land of light, that world of the spirit. And our spirits made a spirit energy, you know. At least according to my research. I don't know if you've done a lot of research yourself. You know something to the contrary. Well, power to you, I say. Go with what you know. Be secure in what you know and what you believe and what you don't know for sure. Just bridge those gaps like pieces of a crossword puzzle to build your reality system. So I'm in a speech contest next Saturday and it's no big deal I've been in some before and, and this is even not so bad compared to the other ones because it's virtual you know but it can still be a little nerve wracking and I've given the speech quite a few times and I gave it last week on my radio show I'm going to give it again right now during my show today but I'm going to going to be different i like it to be different because one thing i've i've known from giving not only competitively during regular meetings i mean i would estimate because i've been a toastmaster you know toastmasters is all about public speaking for over 14 years altogether at different times Two years in Cleveland from 98 to 2000 as a member of two clubs. I started again when I was in Alexandria, Virginia. I was a member of three clubs there. And then when I came to San Antonio in 2010, I was a member of two clubs, a work club for people at work before Sam Houston Toastmasters. Shakira was looking at me. What is it, Shakira? Here comes the ice cream man. And here's his truck. Coming down the road. Can you hear it? It's that same old familiar tune, the ice cream man. Hear that? The ice cream man. He comes to our neighborhood just about every day. Even in the cold weather, people like ice cream, you know. But I've been laying off the sweets lately. I haven't had much, many sweets in the recent, I would say, two months, three months. I've found from my observation that it was aggravating my sleep apnea. And I've got pretty severe obstructive sleep apnea, along with millions of other Americans, okay? but. It's a, a mystery to me what really causes it, you know. I, I've read all about what happens, how the, the throat and the airway collapses when you put your head down to sleep at night, especially if you lie on your back like I do. And I've got a wedge pillow, 
and uh, lately it hasn't been so bad. I've got a sleep a CPAP machine, but oh, I don't use it. Haven't been using it. I'm waiting for them to send me a new mask, and now it's been over a month, and I still haven't gotten it. But I'm not really too anxious to to wear it because I don't like all that air being pushed down my lungs. But if some people need it, I mean, I would recommend that people use it. You know, it it's a a good solution so that you don't die, you know, because I've woken up sometimes, I felt like I was dying when you can't breathe and you have to get get your body going again. And um, I've had to go and run in place in the bathroom. It's been that bad, but not recently. One thing that's helped me that I've been using is a little, what they call a mini CPAP. I found it online called a TEPPY, G-E-P-P-Y. And it's two little, like, um, things you stick up your nose and a filter. And I believe one thing that might contribute to sleep apnea is how the the nostrils become blocked. And it's a good idea to keep them open. So I've been wearing this and my, my haven't had any bad sleep apnea attacks for quite a while, which is a good thing. There's no medical research on it, you know, as far as long-term research to determine if it's a viable alternative to a CPAP machine. But if you're interested, do the research yourself to check it out online and type in mini CPAP and TEPPY, T-E-P-P-Y, and see if that might be for you. Just stick it in your nose and, you know, it fills the two nostrils and then there's a little tiny little filter and I think they're good for about six months. I've got three of them. I've been wearing one. Anyway. So, with speech contests, going back to speech contests, virtually, it's no big deal, you know. And I like the pressure, just like with this radio show, there's always a pressure to talk. If I was to hesitate or be quiet or pause for a few seconds, you know, then you might think, well, you know, what's wrong? The same with giving a speech. A lot of people, including myself in the past, you're giving a speech and all of a sudden you lose your way. Your mind goes blank. It's because you're trying to remember what you wrote and you want to stay online. And say you have like a three-page three page speech and you're trying to follow the form of the speech from the old conclusion. Well, that's no fun. I've learned over the years what is more fun is what's spontaneous. Still, you've got to know what you're going to talk about, and you have to have a knowledge of your subject. But then you just let it flow and don't worry about, you know, what you might talk about at last, the last part. You say, use that at first. Actually, it does have to be organized, but you can add new things all the time. You know, I've learned that's where the enjoyment is. That's when it doesn't really freak you out because one thing I've learned um, after giving a speech is that it'll never work out exactly the way you want it to. So why not just change it around a little bit, have fun, you know, explore vocal, vocal variety, which means raising your voice, lowering it, speeding things up, talking quite quickly. And also your gestures, getting your gestures down. You have to, Use your gesture so it's not 
looking unnatural, you know, and using them with purpose. But anyway, so I'm in this speech contest, and I don't mind it. But what I do mind, I've told you this before, I think, on last week and previous shows, is the judges. Now, it might be me. Maybe, you know, I'm, you could lose a uh, hundred times and then win. And I haven't won too many times. I've won I've some. I've won sometimes. Usually, there's not too many people competing, so maybe no more than five or six. But sometimes there's only like one other person, and so you lose. Still, they give you second place, and it seems like oh, you tell your friends or your coworkers, "I was in a speech contest. How'd you do? Oh, I got second place. Oh, that's not too bad." But actually, it's the same thing as last place. But then when there's two people. And so I like to change things around a little bit, be spontaneous. And I'll keep to my notes. Well, I don't have any notes. Sometimes I do. I write notes. Sometimes I do. Most times. I take that back. You've got to have some kind of basic format of points, bullets to talk about, you know. But then you can change them around in any way you want. But still, you have to have a body and an opening and a conclusion. And with your opening, you've got to have an attention grabber. And with your conclusion, you have to make a point, maybe a call for action. So, you know me. My show, The Church of the Soul's Evolution, I talk about extraterrestrials, the ones that are out there. And my speech is about this Hudson Valley UFO. So I'm trying to enlighten the world, not only the people that listen to the show, my show, and maybe pass it along to whomever they know, but also just talking and putting the words up into the atmosphere, so to speak. Have you ever heard that before? There's a coyotes are sounding off now in the distance. Anyway. Our dog, uh, Shakira, she's going to start barking here probably just a second. Anyway, so we live in a very, very, very big universe, my friends. You know that. And when we look up into the evening sky and see all those stars out there, which are suns, really, and each individual sun and star is a separate solar system. You haven't heard astronomers talk too much about that, have have we? Or scientists. But it is a fact, and they're learning more and more each day. Now that is a revelation, my friends, in and of itself, that every particular sun star out there is a separate solar system. But they don't talk about that too much. Why? Because I You know, there's a resistance to evolution. You have to understand that people resist evolving. When you think about all the way we've come over the years, throughout the centuries, throughout the centuries, you know, how far we've come, you know, from the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, you know, when the fossil fuels were were found, and then the internal combustion engine and factories and all that new technology and 
polluting the atmosphere too, I might add, when there doesn't need to be. If you do the research, you can find out that actually around the turn of the 20th century in the early 1900s, we were poised to to not use oil to provide the energy for our new technologies, but we could have done it with Tesla's inventions, drawing energy out of the atmosphere like a streetcar that taps the, the line up above the car and gets the energy from that line to power the street farm as an example. But more than that, without even any contact, we can draw that energy out of the atmosphere. And that's what these extraterrestrial spacecrafts are able to do. There is an electromagnetic grid above the surface of the Earth all the way up into the thousands and thousands of feet in the atmosphere, close to orbit, I think once you get into outer space, then you have to deal with the fabric of outer space. And what they're able to do when they get there is change their propulsion systems to surf the fabric of space, warping it with their anti-gravity mechanisms, you know, firing beams, anti-gravity beams. But when they're in the Earth's atmosphere, they're able to either repel it or attract it with those same propulsion systems and anti-gravity amplifiers. Anyway, so each star is a separate solar system. Did you know that? They really are. And Case in point, buy yourself a good telescope, take a look, you'll see all the planets around them. They're like, look like a horseshoe. It's true, I've seen them myself. So if we were to think of each star up there in the sky as being a separate solar system, now that's enlightening, that's the kind of thinking we need to have. I always thought of it, I'm sure like people have thought of it before, but we're all about revelations and coming up with new and great ideas, you know, to take us into the future and enlighten our human race so that we can evolve and have peaceful relations with everybody and not be separated and divided by race and all this bickering that's going on between the Republicans and the Democrats and it's the biggest game in town, and now you got to admit, also, we like sports, and that's competition in and of itself. Um, it's a good thing in a way because, you know, it, it helps us to do our best. I understand that. But as far as politics go, I don't know if that should be a game, and it is. Yeah, it's, the, it's the biggest game in town, you know. It's cutthroat and backstabbing competition. One administration gets in power automatically, the other opposition is at their backs, trying to knock them down, finding every fault they can, not saying one single good thing about them. Not a thing, nothing. And then when the other administration gets in power, same thing. When Mr. Trump was in power, the Democrats were always on his case. Now that Mr. Biden's in power, it's the Republicans that are on his case, you know, the latest thing I heard 
is uh, the new Supreme Court justice. Mr. Biden says, I'm going to put a black female on the Supreme Court. Why not? Mr. Trump said he was going to put a woman on the Supreme Court, and he chose Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. Ronald Reagan said he was going to put um, um, Italian-American on the Supreme Court. And uh, so, you know, hypocritical, really. But sometimes they don't have anything else to talk about. It's understandable. I understand. But I just wish, you know, we could... I think we're making progress. We are. We are evolving slowly. And it's people like me, people like you, that are helping to make the world a better place. BBS Radio. Thank God for them and their TV also. I haven't decided to make that jump to TV yet. Maybe I will. I'm still thinking about it. But TV is probably the ultimate medium. You know, it reaches more people. It's entertaining. It really is. I can sit for hours and watch television. I don't know how good it is for me at night, especially you know, after a long, busy day at work or even just doing things around the house. You know, I go out and I run, and I get about maybe seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 steps a day. And then towards the end of the day, my eyes get tired. And I find myself uh, fighting to keep awake, you know, sitting in my chair watching television. And I know I'm not the only one, but I put my hands up and I hold my head so I don't hurt my neck when that happens. Learn to do that. But still, that's one thing that might contribute to sleep apnea too. So it's a struggle, you know, a constant battle. And it goes on because I do like watching television. I like surfing all through the channels, looking at the YouTube videos. Man, that's good entertainment. I was watching the Bigfoot video. There's a whole bunch of Bigfoot videos, you know. And that's a whole different subject all here. But let me start with my speech. I was warming up talking about, you know. And for those of you that may be listening to my show for the first time, if you don't know me, I'm all about logic and rationale. And some logic is irrefutable. And logic can bridge the gap between belief and knowledge. So instead of saying, I believe in UFOs, you would say, I know UFOs exist. And evidence, it's all about Evidence. What kind of evidence could I give you to prove that they are real? Are you first of all? Are you interested in knowing if they are real? Are you ready to make that jump to a more advanced civilization with some incredible technology that they will share with us? I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. They will share their technology with us if we are ready. If we are peaceful. That's the thing. We don't have a history of being peaceful. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Anybody think otherwise? No. Don't get me wrong. I love you all out there. I love everybody. 
you know, in the past, we've had some pretty serious wars, millions of people killed. You just can't forget about that easy, you know. Just outside of my lifetime, I'm 67, I'll be 68 in August, was World War II, where some people over on the other side of the country tried to dominate the world. That sound like a familiar theme? Also, Napoleon, Alexander the Great, the Byzantine Empire, all these people who tried to conquer the world. You know, dictators, tyrants, bullies, essentially, a minority, trying to dominate the peaceful, fun-loving, family-oriented, decent, good people in the world. Hitler was a dictator to the max, responsible for the deaths of six million Jews. Could you forget that? I remember reading a story in a book about a nine-year-old boy who was dying in cancer. And he eventually died. But before he did, he won the hearts of all the people that were looking after him at this hospice. He seemed to be a very wise, beyond his years, young boy, nine years old, who had this inoperable terminal brain cancer. And he used to go on and on about forgiveness. He would be telling people, you need to be able to forgive someone like Hitler. And he was using that as an example. I understood what he meant, you know. I mean, I'm Jewish myself, 8% European Jewish in my DNA. I found out through Ancestry.com, along with 55% English, Scotch, and Welsh, and 37% Irish. But anyway, what I was saying is, when you, the logic that life is out there, bridging the gap between belief and knowledge, okay? All right. You may have heard it before. Here it goes again. What's life on earth, right? You know, the thousands of different varieties, the insects, the reptiles, the birds, the amphibians, the mammals, the flowers, trees, thousands, hundreds of thousands of different types, different varieties, different shapes, sizes. If you're talking about bodies, different size bodies, most with eyes, most with eyes at sea too, yeah, most with the wings, some with wings, a good portion with wings that can fly, all capable of reproducing, <laughs> isn't that amazing? in and of itself. You think you could make an ant? Mankind, the human race, and all of us technological prowess and splendor, capable of doing so much. I'm able to talk with my stepdaughter in Tokyo on the other side of the world, FaceTime her. But could we make an ant with eyes that see and legs that work and mind that's independent, taking it where it wants to go and eating, 
keeping itself alive, defending itself, or an apple seed capable of growing into a apple tree. An apple is also apple seed. Hold on, please. I had to close the door. Some noises were coming from inside. Um, try not to be distracted. No offense to anybody inside the house. You know what I mean. So if all this life here on Earth, and again, hundreds of thousands of different types of varieties, different types of varieties, you know, if all that happened by accident, logically, it could happen by accident in the universe. And now we know and it's been quite a while. It's been many years now. We're discovering new planets, right? Um, I don't think there's anybody out there that's been living underneath a rock, right? You know that. We're discovering planets all the time. Logically, if all this life happened by accident. It could happen by accident anywhere. And I do mean anywhere. A-N-Y-W-H-E-R-E in the universe, whether in this galaxy or another galaxy. You know, there's a lot of other galaxies out there. But if there is a creator, a spirit, like the one that created the Big Bang many billions of years ago, who at one time before the material physical universe was born. And only the spirit existed. And there's nothing else except for darkness and silence. And then the spirit decided that it wanted to grow itself and expand itself. So the creator came up with a solution to form a physical universe where there would be light and dark, darkness, light and darkness. And the creator envisioned all the ingredients that would make that possible to include matter, spiritual matter, dark energy, dark matter, suns. And by the power of the Creator's will, after the Creator had envisioned everything the way it was going to be, everything that will be, everything that was, then by the power of the Creator's will, the greatest explosion ever in the history of the universe happened, and the physical universe began to form itself, one solar system after another. A star is born, and then it's a process that takes a lot of time. Unlike what it says in the Bible, it didn't happen in seven days, my friends. That is logical. You can't deny logic. It didn't happen in seven days. That's one of the inconsistencies, discrepancies with the Bible. But don't let me slam the Bible because I love it for what it is, an account of divine intervention like we've never seen before. All those miracles that happened in the past, did happen with Moses and Jesus, and that, to me, is significant. But it takes hundreds of thousands of years for a solar system to form. You have to understand 
that the basic ingredients of a solar system are dust and then rock and then they coalesce they start swirling around so then you get a body similar to the size of our sun for example and then there has to be some specific ingredients for lack of a better way of describing it inside of each to fire up that nuclear core that will then burn for millions of years without fail, without any glitches, you know. And then the planets are formed also by the same swirling dust and gases and, and rocks and they coalesce and and then water on some planets, water may be brought there by comets or asteroids or perhaps um, depending on the atmosphere of the planet, you know, if it's capable of producing rain clouds, then rain is responsible for the water, the bodies of water that form on planets. But all that takes thousands of years. And still, I don't, I don't think some Christians get it, you know. They want to learn for themselves. Okay, well, take your time, however much time you want, and eventually you will arrive at that same conclusion that it didn't happen in seven days. I don't need to burst your bubble. And there's so many other things I could talk about that I talk about sometimes in regard to the describe. Just because it's not 100% accurate doesn't mean that you still can't follow it like I do. Because I know it's not 100% accurate, and I don't put my faith behind everything that says. Anyway, back to what I was saying before. So one solar system was formed after another, and then one galaxy after another. And here we are in a spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy in a solar system that's maybe a few million years old, according to my best estimates, contrary to what the exaggerating astronomers and scientists believe. Planet Earth, according to my best estimates, based on what I've read and my knowledge and my thinking about it and dreaming about it and being given insights is approximately 2 million years old. If you want to believe what other people tell you, it's a good thing. We have to sometimes, but other times we have to trust our inner instincts, you know, and realize that not everything that people tell us is the truth. Just like that song, Black Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, it goes... Sing me a song, you're a singer. Do me a wrong, you're a bringer of evil. The devil is never a maker. The less that you give, you're a taker. And so it's on and on and on. It's heaven and hell. And then one verse goes... A lover of life, not a sinner. Mending is just a beginner. The closer you get to the meaning, the sooner you'll know when you're dreaming. So it's on and on and on. And then, the, and then it goes... And then the last bird last part goes 
They say that life's a carousel, spinning fast, you gotta ride it well. The world is full of kings and queens who blind your eyes and steal your dreams as heaven and hell. Kings and queens, that's what we are, we're kings and queens, you know? Co-creator gods in the making, that's what we are. If you're gonna die, if you are going to die, if I will die, if I have that potential, I'm not trying to be morbid, I'm just saying, you know, if we have that potential, then you co-creator God in the making, which by a process of reincarnation will continue your soul's evolution from one planet to another planet and so on. That's the way it goes. You were born into this planet, into this world. You came from a pre-existence in the spirit world. And more than likely, a lot of us here on Earth have lived previous lives before. And you will live more lives unless, unless you can develop yourself enough spiritually and evolve your soul enough in this lifetime to reach co-creator God's status or perhaps get to one of the more advanced planets out there, one of the higher category planets, because planet Earth, I'm sorry to say, is one of the lower, the lowest. Actually, on a scale of one to nine, planet Earth is a lowest evolutionary category. Like Thiaouba, T-H-I-A-O-U-B-A, from the book, read the book, Abduction to the Ninth Planet, is, in other words, the extraterrestrials that live there are highly evolved souls have had many lifetimes and have evolved to the point of reaching co-creator God's status. Jesus, who came to earth and died on the cross, was resurrected and ascended up into heaven, now is in the spirit, in the spirit lands, next to the throne of our mother and father God in heaven. That's what I believe. I know. You will see that Jesus who died on the cross. When you get to heaven, if you are a believer, well, even if you're not a believer, hopefully you get to heaven because eventually everyone will, but not everybody does after dying on this planet. There are other places one can go, you know, down beneath the surface of the earth to the core in that cavernous area there where there's lava otherwise known as God's jail, hell, or you could be like ghosts, a ghost in Ghost Adventures and those other shows, Ghost Nation, people who died suddenly and violently, people just like me and you who were killed suddenly and violently, maybe 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, they don't know that they've died, and so they walk the earth as a spirit, not knowing what's going on. Because they didn't know what was going on before they died. A lot of us don't, you know. Do you know that you are a soul and spirit walking around in the physical body? This stuff is difficult to talk about, you know. You have to be brave and courageous. And be logical about it. Not tomorrow isn't guaranteed. It's not guaranteed for any of us, right? We can agree on that. But anyway... Going back to what I was saying, and I, I like branch off and make different points 
you know, that's one thing about speech, too. You can do that. And it's very interesting. One thing I love about my radio show, I can bring up all these good points. I'm going back to what I said about if all this life on Earth happened by accident, logically, logically, it can happen by accident anywhere. But if there is a creator, as there is, as I explained, the supreme creator and the co-creator God, which is part of the plan that they command will and is what we're aspiring to is cool so that you can hit and contribute to the evolution of the physical universe in accordance with the supreme creator's wishes if there is a creator of this world <laughs> you know there is then Logically, that creator, mother and father God, who, when they merge their spirits, are able to create organization of thoughts and words that the male and female join together in the merging spirit. But if there, if there is a, let's just say, use the word God, if there is a God or creator who is powerful, unknowledgeable enough to create this life on earth, this great variety of life, then logically that creator, that magical creator has the power and knowledge the magical power and knowledge to create either the same life here or life like you couldn't imagine, incomprehensible to us, what other types of life are out there. And that's logical. The creator can create life anywhere. It's like you're saying, if you, if I were to tell you that I'm magical, I can do anything, just like God. I can do anything. I can create life. I can create planets. I can do anything. What's that you're saying? You don't think I can create life, that same life, anywhere in the universe, in that solar system right next to us, or in Alpha Centauri's solar system, or in the large Magellanic Cloud galaxy? You don't think I can do that? I'm magical. I can do anything. That's what it does. You've got to believe it. You've got to know it. Okay, well, that's my, that's what I like, usually like to start my shows with. So now I'm going to give my speech. It's a five to seven minute speech. How am I doing on time here? Time does slip away quickly. 6.48, just enough time. So I start my speech. I say, thank you, Mr. Toastmaster, fellow Toastmasters, and any guests. 25,000 people. Do you know how much is 25,000 people? It can fill a baseball stadium or a football stadium. Well, 25,000 people saw a UFO throughout the 1980s in the Hudson Valley area of beautiful New York. Throughout the 1980s. 25,000, each of them saw 
a triangular-shaped UFO, and the official government explanation was it was an airplane. Now, do you know what an airplane looks like and sounds like? Let's say you saw an airplane fly above you right now, or a helicopter. And if I was to tell you, no, what you didn't see was an airplane, it was a flying saucer or a UFO, would you feel offended? Now, just reverse that the other way. They saw, they, they say they saw a UFO, but the official explanation was no, it was an airplane or a group of airplanes that you saw throughout those years. And they would receive hundreds of calls all the time at the police stations, my friends. Three individuals in particular. We need evidence. We have to believe in each other. We have to trust. You know, people saying know that they're not saying it try to make some money and get a little bit of fame because usually they're ridiculed afterwards and who wants to endure that, right? So you have to ask yourself, why would somebody do that and make that up when all they know they're going to get is ridicule? Is that logical? Take, for example, Mr. Dennis Sant. He worked in the state government there in the Hudson Valley. One night... He looked outside his front door, and there was that triangular-shaped object. He called it a city of lights, all these beautiful multicolored lights all around the perimeter of this V-shaped UFO. He called his son. They went outside. They looked at it as it floated above their house. And it went into their backyard. They followed it into the backyard, and then it disappeared behind some trees. And then there was a police officer, Andy Sandhawk. Who was on a routine pole in her police car, parked when she saw this object come and stop above her car. And she put her head out the window and looked up at it. And one thing she noticed was it wasn't making any noise, no visible propulsion systems either. Anti gravity, my friends. And then it slowly went on down the road. And then there was a Mr. Ed Burns, a computer engineer who was driving down the Taconic Parkway in the Hudson Valley. And all of a sudden, he started getting static on his radio, which is pretty common. We've read about UFOs before. When they show up, they destroy electronic systems and cars. But then, all of a sudden, up ahead, he saw that same object. There was a group of people who had pulled over on the side of the road and were looking at it. And he pulled over also and walked up to this group of people, and there was one man standing there. He tried to engage him in a conversation. And this fellow's eyes were as big as saucers. I mean, he was like stuck in that deer-in-the-headlights kind of situation. He couldn't talk. So Mr. Ed Burns, he was very excited and enthusiastic over what he was seeing. Some people are like that. Some people are braver, and sorry to say, that's what it boils down to. Braver than others. You know that. That's true. You know that, right? So there you have three very credible witnesses. And you can check it out 
on YouTube if you're interested. Unsolved Mysteries. Remember, they used to have that back in the 80s. And the Hudson Valley UFO. So, in conclusion, my friends, we have to bridge that gap between belief and knowledge. Trust in people. Say somebody has a near-death experience. They go down a, a tunnel, you've heard that, to a point of light and meet God. Are you going to not believe them right away because you think that they're trying to make money? As I mentioned, logically, someone wouldn't do that or mention that to anyone, share that experience. They knew that all they were going to get would be, or a lot of what they would get would be ridicule, right? But that doesn't mean it didn't happen to that person. It could happen to any of us tomorrow, today. The point is, we need to trust each other. I know there's a lot of shady stuff going on, but we can usually, through our logical faculties, through that process of logic, we can bridge that gap between belief and knowledge. And so I encourage you to trust your fellow man. If they say they saw a UFO, if there's 25,000 of them that saw it, they did see one. And it wasn't an airplane. And let me hear you say, it wasn't an airplane. So we need evidence, my friends. I'm finished with the speech, but evidence. You want evidence? That's just one example out of thousands and thousands of examples, similar examples throughout the centuries. Even now, today, it's going on. UFOs being spotted. You just want the kind of evidence that's going to land in your backyard and you go out there and shake hands with E.T. Well, E.T. might not trust you or trust us as a human species because we are a very violent species, right? And we need to prove to E.T. that we're a peace-loving society. And it's only that small minority, I would estimate about 20%, who are the tyrants and the dictators and the bullies. Know that. Take heart in that, that we're not all bad. Most of us are decent, family-oriented people who want peace. Unfortunately, there are some people who are in control of the world and have been for quite a while, ever since, I think, from the beginning, usually the ones with more money than everyone else, the billionaires, the trillionaires who are calling the shots, right? Some of us, maybe not all of us, well, I'm not certain if I should say this, but we're being led like sheep to the slaughterhouse. Well, I'll take that back because one thing that can save us and put us on the right path is prayer, my friends. And I'm running out of time here. But did you understand my hesitation there? It's that fear that those people, they're powerful enough, like with Roswell, with what happened. A lot of people who knew about that were assassinated. But we have to be brave. 
you know, and I am brave. I've only got a few seconds left. And I am brave by what I've said. You're able to ascertain that, right? Right. Anyway, I love you. Thank you for listening to my show and listening to BBS Radio. I wish you the best always. I hope you have a pleasant evening and, and a good week. Until next week, may the creator of the universe bless us all and help us, everybody. Goodbye.